Good to see people from our community reaching out to the greater community and sharing generously. And that's what we're in. We're in a series called Generous. Uh, we want you to know it's not about me. Just think of the word me with the M, two cups turned down, not ready to receive, and turn your me into we. Put your cups up. Get ready to receive and to give. It's not about I, a single letter. It's about us. It's about generous. It's about connecting with uh, not only our Heavenly Father, but it's about sharing with our community. And it's not that God is trying to get something from you when we talk about generosity and being generous. It's actually that God is trying to get something to you. And so we have to overcome that misconception that we are the losers. We miss out on something when we are generous. But actually God is trying to get to us and through us his blessings. The portion of God's word that we're looking at comes from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9. If you have uh, your Bible, you can open up the word of God to Paul as he is talking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Uh, he talks about it in chapter 8 and chapter 9, a special offering, uh, encouraging the people of his generation to be generous. Um, we've talked in this series that there are uh, three different ways of giving. There's systematic giving, the regular percentage of our income. We just recognize all of our income comes from God, and we systematically bring in a tithe week in, week out. There are special opportunities for giving. That's what Paul is talking about here in this passage of Scripture. And there are sacrificial offerings that God will ask from time to time. I think all of us will uh, be asked by God to do something sacrificially. And uh, Paul had been asking uh, the people of Corinth to uh, gather a special offering. The need in that day was to help the church in Jerusalem. We're gathering a special offering for the needs that are present in our fellowship and our community. And we thank you for praying about that. And as he comes in chapter uh, 6 and verse 9, he, he teaches us it's about, it's about uh, sowing and reaping is the terminology he uses. And uh, when you plant a seed, there's an important truth. When you plant a seed, from that seed there always comes, listen carefully, something that is better and more than you plant. Something that's better and more than you plant. Have you ever eaten an orange? How many people have eaten an orange? Eaten an orange? Okay. And what do you do when you get to the, the center of the orange, the core of the orange, and there are those little white seeds? What do you do with those? Spit them out. That's generally what I do. Because have you ever tried to eat one? Not so good, right? I really wish that I could have brought a peach seed. Because that's about the ugliest seed you can find. I was just thinking of ugly seeds. The peach seed is incredibly ugly. It looks like a rat's brain. Have you ever tried to eat a peach seed? That I wouldn't recommend it, and your dentist wouldn't recommend it either. But here's what happens when you plant that ugly peach seed, when you plant orange seeds... How many would agree that an orange tastes better than the seeds? That's just true. It's better because something better comes. And when you plant 
an orange seed, you get a tree that produces more. It's more and better when it comes into the world of agriculture. If you plant a peach seed, that very ugly peach pit, I guess it's called, when you plant that pit of the peach uh, in Florida, you, you can't. I tried to get one at a grocery store. You can't find them. You have to be like April and May, I think you can get them in, in Florida, uh, unless they fly them in from somewhere. I don't know. I looked. I tried to get, I, I really tried to get a peach pit for you. But once you get the concept, plant an ugly seed, get something that is much better. That's the concept. And that's the concept that Paul teaches as he encourages generosity. And he says, uh, here's the point. He's encouraging generosity. And he says, okay, here's the point. I want you to get the point of this. That when you sow, if you sow uh, sparingly, if you don't get the concepts of generosity, you're not going to get more or better. You're actually going to get less than you could. He says, but if you choose to sow bountifully, abundantly, generously, generously, <laughs> I, th I think I just made up a word, <laughs> generously, yeah, that would be better, okay, Gener <laughs> generously, then you're going to reap generosity. Can you just say more? Go ahead, say more and better. That's what God, God is not trying to take. He's actually trying to grow something. So the message of the day is what grows from generosity? What grows from generosity? And in this passage of Scripture, Paul mentions some truths of things that will grow when we choose to practice generosity. The first thing he does, and after he says verse 6, he talks about growing in joyfulness, uh, cheerfulness. Um, I just called it, from generosity grows a, a spirit of joy. And he says this, as you choose to be generous, each one of you must decide in your heart. So we've asked you this month, this is a special moment of giving, Thanksgiving offering. Each one should pray and decide in your heart uh, what, what, should be, what the Lord would have you to do. Don't give under uh, reluctance. And don't give under compulsion. And we, we say that here. If you feel an outward pressure, if you feel I'm pressuring you, then just hold back and that's okay. But if you feel an inward voice, the Holy Spirit speaking to you, challenging you towards generosity, listen to that voice. But don't let anyone twist your arm is what he's saying. And then he makes this statement. God loves a cheerful giver. I think all of us love a cheerful giver. Probably if you inventoried your friends and you prioritize them, probably near the top of your list are people that are generous and cheerful. That's probably, no one's looking for a stingy, miserable friend. Well, that's my favorite kind of person. Stingy and miserable, Lord, I, they're my top friend. No, no. And here's what God, God says, I love when I see generosity in people's hearts because God loves to see the character of Jesus in you. And Jesus was incredibly generous. Jesus had great joy. In fact, he taught his disciples, I want the joy that's in my heart to be in your heart. And God loves it when he sees the character of Jesus in you. So no wonder it says, I love people that get the connection, and there's a connection, between generosity and joy. Paul is writing 
to his friend Timothy, again under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he gives some instructions on generosity and the enjoyment of life. He says very strong language that he uses as he writes on this section. He talks about commanding people. And a lot of us are not comfortable if someone commands us, especially in church. Let me think about it. Okay, you can think about it, but while you're thinking about it, here's some commandments. Like God, God is into some commandments. He's got ten big ones. <laughs> and here's some commandments. from here's, Paul writes and says, command those who are rich in this present world. That would be everyone in this room. <laughs> and you go, well, not me. No, if we did a global survey, we're in the top percentage of people, just globally. Let's not just think in our state or in our community. Let's think globally. Globally, all of the people in this room, you ate regularly last week. Some of you too much. You had a roof over your head, relative, relatively compared to others in the world. So this applies, I think it applies to all of us. Command those who are rich in that have resource, we have resource, um, not to be arrogant. There's a good, I command you, don't be arrogant. It's right there. And, and don't put your hope in wealth. That's a good commandment. Hey, I com- don't, let me tell you, don't trust in wealth. We've learned in this series, wealth is fleeting and only temporary. It's so uncertain, Paul says. But here's a good commandment as well, good truth as well. Put your hope in God. Because it's God who richly provides for us everything that we need. And it's for our, what's that word? Enjoyment. So material goods can be enjoyed and there can be joy in material goods when we follow the commands that precede this. Not being deceived by wealth. And then he encourages them towards generosity. Command them to do good. There's a good commandment. Do good. When you go out today, do good. Um, be rich in good deeds. If you're going to be rich, let it be in helping others, in benefiting others. He says, command them to be generous. So I, I, here's a command, generosity. Just command generosity and be willing to share. He says the results of this will be in this way, and we've talked about this in this series, that the greatest thing we can do with our finances is influence people for eternity. It's the greatest thing we can do. The greatest investment we can make is in people's souls. Every soul matters to God. So he says, when you are properly stewarding, managing your finances, you'll be laying up for yourselves treasure. It will be a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. You'll really understand how life is. Maybe you remember the words of Jesus, and they're captured in the book of Acts, when Jesus says it's more blessed to give than to receive. The Greek word for blessed there is makarios, which means happy making or happy giving. He's saying there's greater, get this, there's greater happiness in the giving bunch than in the non-giving bunch. That's what he's saying. Do, Do you know anyone that is really generous in their life and really miserable at the same time? Just inventory your friends. Just go. Just think about them again. Do you know anyone that's really generous and miserable? Most of the people that we genuinely know that are cheerful, 
are also generous. I'm a, I'm a, I am a practicer of joy. I, I, pract- I, I, I pray for joy. I, I want to be joyful. And when my joy tank gets low, I ask myself the question, how can I be generous? Because I found when I practice generosity, there is a corollary joy. And when it comes to giving, it's not always at the initial moment of giving because God has asked some sacrifice sometimes and it's been a challenge. And when, when you put that check in, you're going, uh, not, just honest. But the experience of giving is not just the moment of giving, it's watching the result of giving. And as I've looked at both the moment of giving and the result of giving, it has always brought joy. People have literally told me, thank you. I know you teach on this subject. Thank you for teaching. I had one guy say, you talked me into tithing. I said, well, that's not the good reason because it shouldn't be compulsion. It's not me bending your arm. You talked me into tithing, and I'm so glad you did. He said this, and this is true. It feels good. There is, there's a corollary feeling in generosity. So he says, okay, cheerful giving. The second thing he says that grows in the attitude and atmosphere of generosity is uh, grace. Or I would say an appreciation or understanding or insight into grace. Um, He says this in the next verse. In verse 8, he says, and, see the word and, so this is connected to cheerful giving. God loves a cheerful giver. Connected to verse 6, sowing and reaping. And, when you're practicing this, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that you will have all sufficiency. Circle that word sufficiency, and if you're a Bible student, this Greek word is only used two times in the writings of the New Testament, in this verse and in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6. It means uh, contentment. Here it's translated sufficiency. It's an understanding that you are not alone, but God's grace has you covered. Grace doesn't grow. Grace is infinite you can't add, grace is grace. Wherever God and grace, God is grace. So you just, you, you can grow in your appreciation of grace and understanding of grace, and I hope you are. It's like you can, you can grow in your appreciation of love or understanding of love when you say, I'm going to love more. It's just you growing in understanding. If you say, I'm growing in grace, it's that you, God's grace is there. And you just understand it more. Picture it like this. If you were in a, in a bad city, not, not this city, but a bad city. There's some of them out there. Got any names? No, don't call them out. Okay, so if you're in a bad city and it's a bad time of the night, or the early morning, however you count that, but it's a bad city and, a, and you're in a bad section of town, and you're walking down a bad alley. You got the picture now? <laughs> you're clutching your possessions. And you're you just, I hope I, ha- I hope I can get through this. I hope I can get through this alley unscathed. However, if in that alley you have 50 friends who are all trained in martial arts, you, you, the anxiety 
is gone. Hey, I, I, am, I, am, I am riding deep posse. I, I, look, I, people, I am, this, you try it. Just, just bring it, come on, someone try to mug me right now. I am covered because I am connected to a community. I'm connected to everything I need to keep me safe. That's what happens when we appreciate grace. We understand that we're part of a family, and this family has a good father, a great dad. Timothy Paul Jones is a co-author in a book called Growing. And in that book, he talks about his, uh, an event in his life that brought him a new appreciation of what it was to understand the grace of God. They've adopted a daughter into their family. They adopted her when she was eight. She is their middle child now. And before she came into Timothy's family, uh, she was adopted by another family, and it didn't go well in that first family. The family of the previous adoption treated the girl differently than they treated their biological children, and that never goes well. And they were very harsh on her. In fact, she had behavioral, behavioral issues, and so that's a challenge. But they would uh, go each year to Disney, and they always took the biological children, and they never took the adopted daughter. So finally that adoption, it dissolved and she came into Timothy's family and it's coming around and, and Timothy and his wife and his other children say, hey, let's go to Disney. And from the moment they announced that, their adoptive daughter's behavior went off the tracks. It was already a challenge, but now she's lying and she is, she's stealing things in the house and She's saying words that are stirring up the other siblings, and her behavior is bad. So Timothy sits her down to talk to her, and the first thing the adopted daughter says is, I guess I'm not going to Disney. And all of a sudden, it clicks in his mind that she's never been good enough to get to Disney, and she's equated that she's going to act out so that she will have a reason why she's not allowed to go to Disney. And he, he just tuned into the moment and said, um, no, there will be consequences for your behavior, but you're part of our family. And our family is going to Disney, and you're going to Disney. He thought that that little talk would make her better. It's about a month before their Disney trip, but that month was one of the challenges of behavior. She was pushing, 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 pushing. In fact, the day of Disney wasn't the greatest. Some of you have been to Disney with children and grandchildren. Long lines, expensive food. It's not the happiest place on the earth for everyone. Just let's say it's just not for everyone. And this little girl experienced her first day at Disney, and it was a challenge. When she got back into the hotel room, though, he just sensed a change in her attitude. And he's tucking her in at night, and he says, well, how was your, how was your first day at Disney? And she said, Dad, I got to go to Disney not because I was good, but because I belonged to you. And that 
moment revealed grace to Timothy. Because when we walk through life, we do not walk alone. We walk deep posse, surrounded by all sufficiency, all sufficiency that God has got us covered. And generosity, which is connecting to community, reaching out, he says, as you are generous, you will understand and abound in the fact that you are connected with your heavenly Father because you're in partnership with him. You're connected with your community. And when you walk through the deepest, darkest valleys or the deepest, darkest alleys of life, you are riding deep posse because you're part of a family and this family has a good dad. That's what he said. So Paul takes this, hey, as you sow your seed, as you're generous, you're going to come to a new understanding that you're not alone, you're connected because generosity is a connection. And so he says generosity will cause you to abound in grace. The next thing he says is very interesting. He says when you plant generosity, here's what's going to grow. One of the things that grows in generosity is generosity. That literally generous people get so blessed that their capacity to be generous grows. Here's what he says. He, God, the Lord, who supplies seeds, just got to understand that, every gift you ever give started from him. That's the concept. That's the idea we have to catch. He supplies seed for the sower and bread for food. And here's what he's going to do as you practice generosity. What's he going to do? He's going to supply and multiply. You're going to have a greater capacity. As you are generous, you're going to find out, I've got even more capacity for generosity. He's going to supply and multiply seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So when generosity is practiced, it gives God the opportunity to provide for your life supernaturally. That's what generosity does. Generosity gives God the opportunity to provide for your life supernaturally. Darla and I have been married now 35 years on our way to 50 and beyond, thanks be to God. But we are able now to be more generous at this stage of our lives than when we started 35 years ago. Because this has been true, this principle. So when it comes to systematic giving, that was never an issue for us. We were raised as systematic givers. Tithing from when I was a paper boy, I've talked to you about that. When she worked in, the, in retail, it was never systematic giving. But then there are moments of special giving, and we've got to pray about it. And we've had different mountains of, of ability and challenge. So like, like, okay, $100. I remember when $100, that was a big, that special gift of $100. What, okay. Then $1,000, that has more zeros. That was a, that, and that was a challenge. And then multiple of that. And it's like, that's been a challenge. And, and what we found is this tr- verse is true. As we practice generosity, God has expanded our ability and we haven't climbed our last mountain yet. Because God increases. And here's the concept we have to get. It all comes from God and flows through us. And we just can't get sticky fingers. It all comes from God. My family, um, each week, virtually every week, we go for a family meal together. Um, and because Papa pays, we go for breakfast. 
have you noticed breakfast prices are lower? Lower than the rest of the, so we go for breakfast because Papa pays. And uh, we, have to go, we have to do it like whoever has the first appointment of the day, we have to go before that appointment. So Charity is teaching, and those teachers start early. So now we're going at 6.30 in the morning on Friday morning. That's my Sabbath, my day of rest. But 6.30, I'm, I'm at Chick-fil-A <laughs> with my family. And I, I, I eat, I try to eat healthy. So I order... Uh, egg whites, low cal- just egg whites, low calorie, and a piece of grilled chicken. No cheese, no bread. No, no encouragement from you, but that's me trying to be healthy. I, can, I see you're praying for your pastor. Okay, there he is. Trying. Uh, our grandchildren show up. This is amazing and a testimony to the cancellaries because a four and two and those grandkids are there at 6.30 in the morning. They order hash browns. And they sit beside me. And when those hash browns are right, like when they're not undercooked and mushy, and they're not overcooked and burnt, when they get their sweet spot right with whatever they do back there, they're almost heavenly. It is possible that they could be in the marriage supper of the lamb. I'm not sure, but they, they could be there. So Papa will reach over to get a hash brown. And sometimes those little boogers pull them away from me. And say, no, Papa. These are mine. I say, come on. Papa paid for those hash browns. Papa supplied those hash browns. And you don't even know this. I could go to the counter right now and buy 10. I could load your car down with hash browns right now. Because Papa provided those hash browns. So share them. Steward them wisely. And Papa could bless you in the future. You got that? You got that? I think we could close in prayer if you got that. I think that you got that, that's it. So generosity grows when we understand every blessing comes from God. And when we gather this week, this is the week of Thanksgiving. And we're going to give thanks. Well, Thanksgiving grows in a spirit of generosity. He talks about that. Next two verses. He, in fact, he repeats on this topic, he repeats himself. Uh, two or three times. Generosity grows gratitude or thanksgiving. He says in verse 11, this is that's a great phrase right there. When you practice generosity, you will be enriched in every way. That's a, in the original language, that means every way. Every way. You could, this could have been a whole separate point that says, when you are generous, every blessing you need is provided. That's what he's saying. When, you, when you're generous, you'll be enriched in every way, and it'll be the way it's always more and better. And this is, you, this is where you have to trust God. It's, it's not a holy slot machine. Put in 100, get out 1,000. Put in 1,000, get back 10. That's not it. 
but he will give you more and better because he knows exactly what you need in your life that will be more and will be better than you could imagine. So he'll give you everything in every way for what purpose? <laughs> so that you can be generous. He's going to increase your capacity. He's going to bless you to make you a blessing. He's going to increase so you're, you'll be generous in every way, which through us will be, and it's going to produce a thanksgiving to God. Thanksgiving is more than eating turkey. It's, it's, more, it's more than just gathering around the table, and I hope you do this. We do it, and everyone has something that they're thankful for. We do that. It's about considering this week how can I be generous? Because that, your act of generosity, is a thanksgiving to God. He says it again. He repeats himself in the 12th verse. He says, for the ministry, generosity, and giving generously is actually a ministry of this service, is not only for, remember, he was taking a special offering to help the church in Jerusalem, he calls them saints here. He says, your special giving will not only supply the needs of the saints or the Christians in Jerusalem, but it will also overflow in many thanksgivings to God. Because the concept is, everything we have, when you gather together and you give thanks this week, just be aware, everything you have comes from him. And all he says, okay, I want you to just, when, when I touch your heart, I want you to give systematically. I want you to give sacrificially. I want you to give specially. Just consider that. I thought of that when I was thinking of everything comes from God, and I, I brought a, a, a symbol of, of a, well, not, not a symbol of wealth. It's only a $1 bill. But it's a symbol. It's our, it's our, it's our currency. We call this uh, paper currency, but it's not really paper. It's 75% uh, cotton, so that when it goes through the wash, you can still spend it. If it was paper, it would dissolve, and you would lose it, and it lasts longer. It's about 75% cotton. It's got some linen in it, and it's got some silk in it, none of which people can produce. You can plant a cotton plant, but you, you, you can't grow cotton. You can plant cotton, you can harvest cotton, but who grows cotton? <laughs> it would be good for you to get this. Who provides the hash browns? <laughs> I'm talking about the big papa, not the little papa. The big papa. I can't grow a cotton tree. So this, this literally is, this, like when you go back down to its elementary nature, we put some ink on it, but this is God's cotton that he lets us use and circulate and, and go buy hash browns. And go to Chick-fil-A, but not today, but go to Chick-fil-A someday. He lets you do that. So what it is, it's just the concept that everything we have, that God's very nature is incredibly lavish and incredibly generous. And he just calls us to lift our eyes and just, okay, understand that your generosity is only connecting with the greater spirit of God, which is a spirit of incredible generosity. And he ends the section with this, and I hope everybody this week will do this. I hope everyone will give thanks to God for his inexpressible gift. And what is his inexpressible gift? Do you know what it is? Yeah, it's the gift of Jesus. Because you want to see how generous God is? He so loved you 
that he gave his only begotten son so that the wall of sin that separated you from God would come tumbling down and you could be reunited into God's family so that you could walk with God in life in grace. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. He simply gives it to you. It's an inexpressible gift. We can grow every day in our appreciation for it. Every time we take communion, we can grow in our appreciation. Every time we worship Jesus, we can grow in our appreciation. But no one in this room fully grasps the indescribable, inexpressible gift of Jesus. But thank God for him. Thank God. Thank God for Jesus. Let's just put our hands together and affirm our thanks be to God for his inexpressible. We can't express it. He says, okay, this is the motivation. Let my character, let the character of Jesus be in you as well. So as we gather this week in Thanksgiving, let's thank God for the many blessings, but as you give thanks, always remember to give thanks for Jesus and the gift of eternal life that you enjoy because of Jesus' incredible generosity towards you. And then he just encourages us Okay, I'm not trying to get something from you. I'm trying to get you into the very character, the flow, the nature of God's Spirit. And you'll not only be supplying needs, as Paul said, you're helping the Jerusalem church in this one. You're helping us get those crosses lit again. You're helping us do something practically. But it's the eternal value beyond that. The thanksgiving to God from the people that will continue to come, hear about Jesus, be baptized, and grow in God. You're all a part of that, and we thank God for you. In Jesus' name. Everybody says, amen. Let's stand together for prayer. Can we do that? If you're able to and willing, stand. and Let's open our hearts towards God. And just invite his Holy Spirit to speak to us. What, what is the Holy Spirit trying to say to me today? What is the Holy Spirit trying to say to you today? Not Scott's voice, but the voice of the Holy Spirit. Of the scriptures that we've read, what's the Holy Spirit trying to do with God's word in our hearts today? Just listen and then respond. One of the responses that we ask for is that you would open your heart to Jesus Christ. When Jesus hung on the cross, he took away all of your sin and all of your shame. He paid for anything that separated you from God so that you could be in God's family today. He went into the tomb and he rose on the third day to prove that when he said to you, believe in your heart in Jesus Christ and you confess Jesus Christ through your mouth, you will be saved. You can be saved today. You can be in the family of God today. If you're a prodigal, you can come home today by expressing your faith through a prayer. And we're going to pray that prayer together. As we pray, our prayer team is going to come and join me here at the altar and prepare to receive and to pray for you and with you. But here's our prayer that we all pray together. Lift your voice and could everyone say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I open my heart, my soul, my life to Jesus Christ. I repent of my sins. I leave them behind. And I receive your forgiveness, your grace, your love, your mercy, and your eternal life that comes to me in Jesus Christ. Now help me to follow Jesus every day of my life. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Yeah, bless the Lord. It's a great prayer. It's a great prayer. Hallelujah. It's a great prayer. Look this way. If you are committing or recommitting, or it's a moment of dedication, you need to tell a prayer partner before you go. Say, hey, I prayed with Scott. Beginning again. Let them pray that God will seal that. Because as soon as that word goes into your heart, I promise you, the enemy is going to try to corrupt it. Take it out. So it's important you seal it in prayer. And we want to seal it with you. There also, our team is here to pray for whatever needs are in your life. Whatever needs you have, you're with big posse today. You're with a great posse. And we got a great dad. And he will supply your needs, physical, financial, spiritual. If you need healing, he'll bring healing. You need provision, he'll bring provision. Whatever needs you may have. You need freedom. May you brought in an issue today. You need freedom. Well, pray for that in Jesus' name. So we're here to let the gifts of the Holy Spirit minister to you while prayer is being given and received. If you'd like to receive Holy Communion, the bread and the cup of the Lord. And what we do when we take the bread and the cup, we remember Jesus. We think about Jesus. That Jesus died on the cross, thanks be to God, took away all my sins, went into the tomb, rose on the third day, and is literally in this room right here, right now. He'll be the best friend you ever had and just celebrate Jesus' presence as you take communion. If you've been a guest today, you are a VIP. If you've never stopped by the VIP room, we want to invite you to do that before you leave. I'm going to pray a prayer, and uh, after that, the worship team is just going to begin to worship. There'll be no other benediction. People will come forward for prayer, for communion. Go with the grace of God. I pray you have a a beautiful uh, Thanksgiving uh, with friends and with family, and pray the Lord is with you. We're not together on Wednesday night. For those of you that worship and study the word with us, we're together on Thursday morning if you want to come, be part of our food distribution. We're doing that. But let me pray this blessing. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May you understand that everything you need, God can supply graciously. His grace is sufficient for every need. And may you reach out by faith to receive in prayer, in confidence. We pray blessing on our team as they pray for one another, that the Holy Spirit will flow. We pray blessing on our communion, the bread and the cup of the Lord. I pray that you will walk under the very presence of Jesus in a powerful way this week. I pray that you would know that you've been blessed in Jesus' name, and I pray that you would know that you are blessed people because of Christ. In Jesus' name, we pray together. And everybody says, amen. Let's give the Lord just a thank you. Thank you very much, Father. Thank you for your word, for your church, and for your fellowship. Uh, Come forward for prayer and for communion. May the grace of the Lord be with you.